Three of the four new RF lenses are still scheduled for release in 2019. Canon RF 35mm 1.2L coming in 2020. Luminar 4 introduces the first automatic sky replacement technology. Canon will reclaim the full-frame megapixel crown. And the Lens Baby brings their lenses over to the Canon RF mount. All of this on episode 31 of the Liam Photography Podcast. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 31. So in this week's news from CanonRumors.com, Three of the four uh, new RF lenses are still scheduled for release in 2019. Earlier this year, Canon announced six new RF mount lenses to a lot of fanfare. Unfortunately, we've only seen the RF 85mm f1.2 LUSM of those six to come to market. The RF 24-240 f4 to 6.3 ISUSM is scheduled to be released in September of 2019. But we have been told that three of the remaining four lenses will definitely come in 2019. The RF 15-35mm f2.8 L, the RF 24-70 f2.8 L are both scheduled to arrive in October, so don't be surprised to see an official announcement in late August or early September. And the RF 70-200 f2.8 L won't be coming out until December of this year, according to the latest information, but it will be coming to market before the end of 2019. This leaves only the RF 85mm 1.2 L DSUSM as the unknown in the group. We haven't heard anything about when we may see the defocus smoothing RF 85mm lens or when it's going to possibly hit the market. So this is great news for anybody that's a Canon mirrorless shooter like myself. Uh, I've said before in other episodes of the show that I'm strictly a Canon shooter, with the exception of my uh, DJI Phantom 3 professional drone, my uh, GoPro cameras, and my Lytro Illums that I like to play with from time to time. I'm pretty much a Canon shooter, and I do have the new EOS R, which I love. It is a great camera, and I use it daily for my full-time real estate work. So these new f2.8 lenses coming out before the end of 2019 would definitely be an awesome thing. Now, I've said in earlier episodes, I'm going to reserve judgment on it yet. And I'm not talking about quality or anything like that. I know they're going to be amazing lenses because Canon, frankly, makes some of the best glass in the world, and they always have. The reason why I'm going to remain a little bit skeptical, though, is the pricing. I want to see what the pricing is going to be for these new lenses. And the reason why, as I mentioned in earlier episodes, to be honest, the RF 50mm 1.2L is ridiculously overpriced at $1,000 more than its EF cousin. And the same with the 28-70 F2 being around $1,000 or maybe it's $1,300 more more expensive than the 24-70 F 2.8L. So I don't, I still don't understand the reasoning behind it because like I've mentioned in earlier episodes, the, uh, 
non-L 35 millimeter RF um, IS STM lens, which is an F2, sells for the same price, or I'm sorry, it's an F1.8, uh, sells for the same price as the EF 35 millimeter F2 and the 24 to 105 in both the RF and the EF versions sell for the exact same price. So I still can't wrap my head around why the 50 millimeter L and the 28 to 70 L are ridiculously overpriced when compared to their EF cousins. Now I understand there isn't a 28 to 70 F2 L in the EF mount, but it's the you might as well say it's the cousin to the 24 to 70 F 2.8 L. And that's what I used when I did the price comparison. So it's going to be interesting to see if Canon decides to price these three new 2.8 lenses the same as their EF cousins, or if they're going to go ridiculously more expensive like they did with the 50 millimeter and the 28 to 70. Only time will tell, so all I can do at this point is sit back and wait and see when the official announcements come out and see what kind of price point that they're going to be hitting market at. Now, the second item, a little bit of tidbit uh, news from CanonRumors.com, is that Canon could be building an F1.2 set of prime lenses for the RF mount. So far, we have the stellar dual of the RF50 1.2L and the RF85 1.2L, the non-DS version. And according to the latest information they've received, more F1.2L prime lenses are coming. First up will be an RF 35mm F1.2L USM that they're being told is scheduled for release in 2020, though an announcement date is not known at this time. And Canon Rumors' same source is also claiming that an RF 24mm f1.2 LUSM is also possible, but it isn't currently on the product, product roadmap for 2020. So again, it will be interesting to see if both of these other uh, 1.2 L lenses do come to market. And again, what their price point is going to be if they're going to be relatively along the same pricing as their EF cousins, or if they're going to be considerably more expensive. And I have a feeling that the pricing is going to be a lot of whether or not people decide to bite the bullet and buy these new L lenses. All right. The third item I wanted to talk about on this week's episode is Canon reclaiming their full frame megapixel crown. So after Sony announced the A7R4, which I talked about in last week's episode, Canon lost its full frame sensor megapixel count crown. The new Sony comes in at 61 megapixels, include eclipsing the Canon EOS 5DS and 5DSR Duo, which have a 50.6 megapixel full-frame sensor. Up until Sony's announcement, of course, both those cameras by Canon were the largest megapixel sensors in a full-frame camera on the market. It has been rumored in the past that Canon will eclipse 70 megapixels with their EOS 5DS replacement and that it will come to the EOS R system and not the EOS DSLR side. So that means no DSLR replacement for the EOS 5DS and 5DSR, which I've mentioned in previous episodes. I had a feeling that Canon was not going to do a Mark II of those two cameras uh, because they were going to make their next high megapixel beast in the mirrorless side. 
We were told recently that Canon will indeed return to the top of the megapixel count for full-frame sensors with the release of the EOS RS. And again, they're guessing on the name just as I am, but I'm predicting that that's probably going to be what they're going to call this model. There have been two sensors tested in the new EOS R body, and it's possible that the camera may come with a sensor over 80 megapixels. And as I've said in previous episodes, Canon has been working on and testing a 100 megapixel sensor for some time now, but we'll have to wait and see whether or not that's going to come to fruition. The source noted that Canon is about to release brand new advancements in sensor technology and has quote-unquote caught up to Sony. What this means is unknown at this time. The source did say, however, that Canon will be getting into the spec wars, which of course will be music to the internet's ears, as well as any photographers out there that are in the Canon camp like myself. Now again, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I was fairly confident when Canon announced the EOS R at the tail end of 2018 that one of the next bodies they would do. I didn't suspect anything about the RP. I did not see that coming. And it was really cool that Canon did do it for, for people that want to get into full frame mirrorless for, you know, as little money as possible. You know, if they have a limited budget and so on, students and stuff like that, then Coming out with the RP was a great thing. I did not see that one coming. But if you remember on this show, when Canon announced the EOS R late last year, I predicted that one of their future models was definitely going to be a replacement for the 5DS and 5DSR. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I do have the 5DSR currently. Love that camera. The 50.6 megapixel sensor in that makes amazing images. It has great dynamic range. It makes beautiful landscapes. It makes beautiful pretty much everything. Uh, it is a fantastic camera. And I was predicting uh, in the beginning of this show from the very first episode that Canon was going to not release a Mark II of the 5DS and 5DSR and would instead move their high megapixel platform to the mirrorless full-frame side, and it looks like that is definitely the route that they will be going. Now, to me, that makes a lot of sense. It's their latest technology. It's their latest platform. They want to be shooting for the future going forward, and that's the smartest way to do it, is to come out with their high-megapixel sensor in a version of the EOS R body. So I'm definitely excited about that. That's something that will definitely get... Uh, my uh, gland salivating to see the announcement on that and whether or not it's going to get released in early to mid 2020. Uh, I'm thinking it's probable that it's going to be released in early, the earlier part of 2020. Um, just because I think Canon's going to want to, you know, they're going to want to keep firing on all cylinders to really be working hard to catch up to and overtake Sony which, of course, Sony has been in the full-frame mirrorless market for about five years now. They've got a hell of a head start. But with the amount of money that Canon has at its disposal for research and development, I've predicted before on previous episodes that it wasn't going to take Canon more than 18 to 24 months tops from the time they got into the mirrorless full-frame world to be taking over, or overtaking, I should say, Sony, in the mirrorless full-frame market. So we'll have to wait and see, but I have a feeling that's where things are gonna go. And if 
that is the way things are going to go. It's a wonderful thing for everybody that's shooting cannon, myself and anybody else out there. And it's just going to make the market. It's going to make the market better for everybody because you're going to have more competition. You know, you're not going to have just one company totally dominating in the full frame mirrorless world. You're going to have more competition because so our Canon and Nikon are going to ramp up the pressure on Sony. Canon more so probably than Nikon. And I only say that because of the fact that Canon has more money for research and development than Nikon does because Canon's more. They're more widely divested in their portfolio of, of products and services and technology, so they have a lot more money to spend on research and development like Sony does. All right, the next item I wanted to talk about on this week's episode is Lens Baby. Now, if you're not familiar with Lens Baby, and you may or may not be, Lens Baby is a company that makes unique. Third, they're a third-party lens manufacturer, and they make unique lenses. And what's unique about them is they're kind of a cross between a tilt-shift lens and a manual soft-focus lens. And they can make some really cool images. They've been around for quite a few years now. Well, Lens Baby has officially announced that they are bringing their lenses over to the Canon RF mount. Now, they are the second company to do that. As you may remember from earlier episode, I mentioned that Sam Yang, uh, also known as Rokinon, uh, was going to be releasing some RF lenses, and they have. They've released their RF 14mm f2.8, which I own and is a fantastic lens. I use that as my primary lens for real estate photography because I can get nice wide shots of the properties and the rooms inside, which make my clients happy. And they also have their 85 millimeter 1.4 portrait lens in an RF mount. Well, now Lens Baby's getting in on the RF mount action, and it's fairly easy for these companies because all they have to do is replicate the new RF bayonet mount because their lenses are manual-only lenses. They don't have to worry about, you know, reverse engineering uh, Canon's technology and their new autofocus, you know, platform and all that stuff on the EOS R and RP, since all they have to worry about is matching their lenses up with the, the new bayonet mount to make them RF-ready. It's not surprising to see Lens Baby jumping into the RF market shortly after Samyang slash Rokinon did with some of their lenses. So Lens Baby has brought their lenses over to the RF mount, and they're also announcing that their lenses are now available with Nikon Z mount. The following lenses will be available in both mirrorless full-frame mounts, the Composer Pro 2, the Soul 22mm, the Soul 45mm, which I have that one, that's a great lens, but mine's an EF mount. The Velvet 56mm, the Velvet 85mm, and their Trio 28mm. Now, you can already order these lenses from CanonRumors.com's affiliate partner, Adorama, and I will put a link to this article in the show notes so that you can check it out for yourself. Now, I did do a search before I recorded this show, and these lenses are not showing up on Amazon yet, so I don't know if it's uh, pre-order only um, or if maybe Adorama has some sort of deal struck with Lens Baby where they get to offer them first for a few weeks or a month before they'll be available in other marketplaces. We'll have to wait and see. 
but it is exciting. And, and like I mentioned a little bit ago, the lens baby lenses are really cool. You can do some cool effects with them. Uh, but basically, they're the kind of lens that you can adjust your aperture. And depending on the model of the lens baby lens, sometimes it's a, a disc that goes into the front side of the lens that's held in place by magnets. And uh, they come with different size discs, or well, discs with different size holes in the center. And that's how you get your various apertures from F2 all the way up to F8 or whatever the case may be. Um, and some of their lenses actually have uh, a mechanical set of aperture blades where you can just turn a dial on the lens barrel and you can adjust the aperture that way. And then primarily what you use these lenses for is you grab the sides of the lens and you pull back and squeeze to the left or right and you can create a cool tilt shift effect that can create soft focus, it creates emphasis on a small area of your image, a small portion of your image area. Um, it makes everything else blurred out and soft and creamy, so you can do a lot of cool and creative stuff with them. Uh, one of the members of my old photography club when I was living on the west side of Atlanta, the East Atlanta Photo Club, uh, her name is Pauline Putt. She loves the Lens Baby. She uses them all the time, and she even has some of her images on LensBaby.com's website. So you can go over there and check out her work and see some of the other cool things that you can do with these interesting manual lenses that can give you some really cool images and cool image effects. So I recommend you head over to LensBaby.com and check it out if you're not familiar with their lenses. Now, the next item I wanted to talk about in this episode is Luminar 4. Luminar is a hugely popular uh, photo editing software made by a company called Skylum. And Skylum will be releasing version 4 of their software in the fall of 2019. Pre-orders for the new version have gone live already. There are two ways to pre-order Luminar 4, as I mentioned in last week's episode, or maybe it was the week before. Uh, Luminar 4 plus Signature Looks Bundle for $59. The regular price would be $138. Or you can get uh, Luminar 4 plus Signature Looks plus the Luminar 3 Bundle for $99. The regular price on that package would be $208. So substantial savings. Now, per a press release, utilizing the proprietary technology based on machine learning, Luminar 4 will be the first photo editor to have a fully automated sky replacement tool to save artists hours of editing. From their headquarters in Bellevue, Washington, Skylum announced the upcoming release of Luminar 4 that ships this fall continues to push innovation forward with machine learning tools. In addition to the new AI Sky replacement tool, Luminar users can expect to see more machine learning present in Luminar 4. With its easy-to-use interface and sensible workflows, Luminar 4 is the great choice for creatives looking to move their photography forward and away from using Adobe software. With Luminar 4, we continue to empower everyone who loves photography to make incredible images faster and easier, said Alex Zepko, CEO of Skylum. No one needs a simply oh, no one needs simply another photo editor these days. That's why with every Luminar update, we bring photographers something truly meaningful, something that'll really level up their creative skills. In Luminar 2018, Skylum introduced the AI Sky Enhancer filter, helping 
you add depth and color back into flat or blown out skies. And earlier this year, Skylum added the Accent AI 2.0 filter to Luminar 3, a powerful content-aware filter powered by machine learning to automatically enhance images. Now with Luminar 4, AI Sky Replacement offers the first automatic tool for replacing skies in your photographs. Machine learning tools like these are the foundation of the Luminar platform, helping to save photographers hours of manual labor so that they can create their creative dreams. Now you may be wondering, why AI Sky Replacement? Sky Replacement methods have become popular in recent years with landscape photographers especially, in order for them to truly showcase their creative vision. Up until now, photographers have spent minutes or even hours manually replacing skies through tools like smart selection, luminosity, masking, overlaying, layer mas layers, masking, smart brush, color range, and more. And even with all those tools, it was hard to get a perfect sky. With the development of AI sky replacement has been equally challenging. Skylum's machine learning technology means that photographers can apply a realistic sky to their photograph in mere seconds, freeing up more of their time to be creative. And again, you can go ahead and pre-order Luminar 4, either one of the bundles with three included or without it, and save yourself a bunch of money. Now, I'm really excited about this because, as most photographers have, I've had times where you know, I was getting a fantastic landscape shot, but was really upset because the sky sucked, to be honest, <laughs> especially after I got back home and loaded them up on my iMac to do my editing. And then it's like, man, the scene is fantastic, but the sky sucks. It's just blown out or it's totally blah, you know, because it wasn't a beautiful day with blue sky and white fluffy clouds and all of that good stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it happens to everybody. You know, every any photographer can end up with uh, you know, a photograph that's got a really great scene and a crappy sky. So I'm really excited to see how this AI sky replacement works, how well it works when Luminar 4 is released in the fall. And as I mentioned in the, fur, uh, the previous episode where I first talked about their bundle deals on Luminar 4, uh, I am a Luminar affiliate, so I always get the upgrades for free. Uh, I was also a pre-existing customer of Luminar uh, before their last few versions, so I was always getting a uh, major, di majorly discounted price on the upgrades anyways, and now that I'm an affiliate, I, I get the upgrades totally free of charge, which is really cool, and I will definitely be looking forward to trying out their Sky Replacement software to see if it can really cut the mustard or not. Now look for me to do an episode on how well or not well that works once it actually comes out later on this fall, because I will definitely more than likely dedicate an episode of this show to that tool, especially if it works fantastically. I mean, if it does, I'm really hoping it does. I'm excited because messing around with doing sky replacement the manual way sucks. I know I've had to do it before and it's a pain in the butt and it takes forever. I mean, it's just way, way, way too time consuming and I'm not looking to waste that much time uh, replacing a sky, if I can do it in a few seconds with a click of my mouse or something like that, that would be phenomenal. And I think a lot of people out there would really enjoy, you know, gaining back some of their creative time to work on their next masterpiece, whether it's a landscape uh, photographer or 
it, maybe it'll work uh, equally well for outdoor portraits. You never know. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm definitely excited. And Luminar has definitely been continuously pushing the envelope with their software. If they would just get their software updated to support my CR3 RAW files from the EOS R, I would be a totally happy camper. But we'll have to wait and see and hope that CR3 support will be in Luminar 4. I'm hoping it is, but I do not know for sure. I may have to shoot an email to my contact at Luminar and ask them about it again because I was under the impression that they were going to be releasing support in an update to Luminar 3, but I still haven't seen it yet. I checked the other day um, after my Luminar 3 had updated and there was still no support for CR3 RAW files. So. We'll have to get in touch with them and see what I can find out. You know, if it's not going to come out in three and the update to three, any updates to three, that's fine. If four is releasing in the next couple of months and will support it, that's totally fine. I'm more than happy to wait. But I have enjoyed uh, the last few years working with the Luminar software. I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't use it as my primary photo editor just yet, but I'm hoping one day soon to be able to do that. And as long as Skylum keeps pushing the envelope with their AI technology and machine learning technologies and, and adding more features into their software that photographers have been asking for, like they did in Luminar 3 when they, when they gave us basically their version of the library module, like Lightroom has, that made a lot of people happy. And I know it'll make a lot of photographers even happier if they can get a smart AI sky replacement tool. That would be fantastic. All right, I am going to go ahead and wrap up episode 31 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else you might be listening to the show, which, as I mentioned last week, as of the last two weeks, is now available in radio.com. So you can subscribe, rate, and review on their platform as well. And we want to thank them for adding us to their platform. That was really awesome. Also, be sure to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group. In order to join, you have to answer a simple question, and that is the name the host of the show, which is myself, Liam, or you can put Liam Douglas, and you will be allowed into the group. You are welcome to upload your own personal work, up to five images every 24 hours. You can either spread them out throughout the course of a day, or you can put them all up at once and let Facebook do its little slideshow thing for you. Just please do not share other people's work, uh, whether you have their permission or not, that will get you banned from the group. I want photographers and photo enthusiasts or hobbyists to only put up their own work. Don't be, don't be using other people's work. That's never cool. And additionally, you can go on over to the LiamPhotographyPodcast.com to read the show notes and to click on any of the links for any of the news articles or deals from Adorama or anybody else that were talked about on this week's episode. Thank you again for your time, and I will see you again next week in episode 32.